Welcome to the podcast of Destiny Community Church. Today, as we begin this new series, I want to lay down the foundation for which this series will be built upon. And we are going on, on quite a journey with this series. Um, I, I need to warn you, though, because it, it gets heavy right out the gate. And for some of you, I, I have a feeling this might be an emotional service for you. Um, simply because uh, it, it's going to hit home. And, and I believe God wants to meet us right there. That sometimes we, we have to look at our honest emotions, and God's not scared of our honest emotions. Amen? And so today, it may hit some of you. And, and for others in the room, if you're not careful, you'll immediately recognize the speck of dust in your brother's eye, and you will not realize that there's a log sticking out of your own eye. And I want you to understand that this series is not just for your neighbor. This series is for you. So I want you to say, this series is for me. Would you say it? This series is for me. As we progress with this series, I will be looking at some of the specific areas that blame affects us. But today, I believe that we need to look at the overall problem of blame. There was a manager of a minor league baseball team, and he became very frustrated and disgusted with his center fielder's play. Uh, he, he was making a lot of errors during the game. And so the, the manager walked out on the field and he looked at his center fielder and he said, you get to the dugout and give me your glove. And he takes the guy's glove and the manager goes out to center field and begins playing uh, uh, center field where this other guy went to the dugout. And so the first ball that, that was hit towards the, the manager playing center field, it, it took a bad hop and it, and it jumped up and it, it hit the manager right in the eye. I mean, hit him right in the eye. The next one was a, a high fly ball and, and he lost it in the glare of the sun until it finally found him right on top of his head. Uh, the third one was a, a hard line drive and, and as it was coming to him, he, he dives after it trying to make this heroic catch. He misjudges it. It goes right in between his hands, and it pops up and hits him in the mouth. So now he's got a black eye, not on his head, and his mouth is bleeding. And it was at that moment that out of frustration and extremely furious, the manager runs back towards the dugout. He pulls the center fielder that he pulled out of the game. He pulls him out of the dugout where everyone in the stands can see him. He grabs him by the uniform, and he, and he yells at him. He says, you idiot. You've got center field so messed up, even I can't fix it. <laughs> blame. Blame. We're all guilty of it. Blame. It's what makes the world go round, right? The Democrats blame the Republicans. The Republicans blame the Democrats. The Libertarians blame both the Republicans and the Democrats. It's been said to err as human to blame someone else as politics. If only it stopped there. We almost expect that now. That's, that's the, the temperature of the political world in our nation. We expect blame to be passed from one side to the other. If it only stopped there though, but, but, but since the beginning of humanity, no one will take responsibility for his or her life. We've been playing this blame game for a long time to where we've actually gotten pretty good at it. 
And so it's, it's mom's fault. It's mom's fault that I ended up the way that I am. It's mom's fault he ended up the way that he is. It's dad's fault. Or it's a lack of dad's fault. You see, we've got excuses for everything. It's the boss's fault. It's my teacher's fault. It's my coach's fault. Trust me, I coached for a number of years in, in, in high school sports especially. It's never the player's fault. And moms and dads will jump on that bandwagon with them. Moms and dads play the blame game. They'll blame coaches in a heartbeat. It's his fault. It's her fault. No one ever says, it's my fault. We've gotten too good at this to take the blame ourselves. So I want you to go with me to John chapter 9. And I want to read an instance that happened in the ministry of Christ where immediately we see blame. Matter of fact, you're going to see it in the second verse that we read. Blame is going to jump out of the page right at you. And so we're going to read John chapter 9, verses 1 through 7. John chapter 9, verses 1 through 7. Verse 1 reads, As he, being Jesus, as he passed by, he saw a blind man from birth. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, it was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Having said these things, he spit on the ground and made mud with the saliva. Then he anointed the man's eyes with the mud and said to him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which means sent. So he went and washed and came back seeing. I want us to focus this morning on verse 2. It says, And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Everyone wants an answer. When something happens that we don't deserve or don't understand, Everybody wants an answer. We demand answers these days. We don't like not being in the know. We don't like somebody not being responsible for it as long as it's not us. We demand answers. And if tragedy hits, God forbid, but if tragedy hits, then someone is to blame. That is what society continues to teach us. If, if things don't go according to plan, then, then somebody is to blame. At the beginning of humanity, when Adam and Eve ate from the wrong tree, they intentionally disobeyed God, and they ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. I really want to focus on the name of that tree. It's, it's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So many times we read right past that, and we don't realize what, what is actually being consumed here. It's the tree of the knowledge of of good and evil. And because of that sin, now we are inundated with knowledge that only God can handle. I am convinced that there are things that we now know that we were never designed to understand, much less pass judgment on. There are things now that the human mind tries to comprehend things that we were never meant to be in the know on, and, and our minds are, and the wheels in our heads continue to turn as we try and figure out what is happening, and the average person can't handle knowing all about your struggles and your sins. 
I've been telling people for years that, that they, they just want friendship. They just want someone to hear them out. But some, sometimes in counseling, I, I hear what they're going through, and I understand that the average person cannot grip that. They cannot understand that. And I believe that, that through uh, ministry and, and through pastoring that, that God has given me and Mandy an ability to, to look beyond those faults at times. And, and I'll be honest with you, I am human. And so there are moments when, when even I am wanting to cast blame on someone. But, but God is the only one. God's mind, if we can say God even has a mind. I mean, he's omniscient. He's all-knowing. All but, 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 but God's mind is the only one that can truly comprehend and process the knowledge of good and evil, but yet we find ourselves because of the sin, because Adam and Eve ate from the wrong tree, because they ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now we have the knowledge of good and evil and we don't know what to do with it. You're quiet. Like a newborn baby. We were innocent. Humans were naive in a good way. But now we can see? Can you imagine going through life and not being able to see good and evil? It's just, it's just life. It was just life the way that God intended for it to be. Oh, to return back to those days. Because really, that's where the attitude of judgment begins to come from. And only a righteous judge really has the ability to judge that the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil the fruit of that tree is blame and immediately right after they took the fruit and ate the fruit immediately adam and eve humanity begin to blame remember remember what what adam said when when god said uh where have you been i've been looking for you and he said i I was naked, so I hid. And God said, who told you that you were naked? He didn't even understand the shame that it could be. With some, some of us in the room are still modest people. I see the way some of you dress. You're not modest, but it's okay. <laughs> was that bad? Mandy, Mandy has no opinion on this. She's trying not to cast judgment right now. She's like, if, if, if I blame you right now, you're going to use me as an illustration. That's <laughs> what happens when you live in a pastor's home. But they didn't know. They didn't know the difference between being clothed and being naked. And, and he said, who told you that? God knew. When God asked you a question, he already knows the answer. But God, God needed him to say it. He said, who told you that? And if you remember, the blame starts right there. Adam said, it was the woman you gave me. She brought it to me and I ate. There's two blames that happened in that one sentence. It was the woman you gave me. He goes to Eve. He said, Eve, what happened? God says, Eve, what went wrong with this? It was the serpent. He deceived me. Blame from the beginning of humanity. At the moment that we started recognizing 
Good and evil, right and wrong. At the moment that we were forced to comprehend that, even though we can't, all of a sudden, blame enters the human race, and the only one that wasn't blaming anyone else was the serpent, and he's slithering away, grinning ear to ear, because now he had accomplished what he wanted to, and blame had entered the human race. It's exactly what he set out to do. And I'm as guilty as anyone else. I'll show you what I mean by this. When we leave our house, we try. It doesn't always work, but we try to wrangle up our dog, our, our little miniature Dotson CC that's like this long and this tall. She's just, I mean, it's... And we try and, and get CC so that we can lock her up in the laundry room. Being a fairly new house that we live in, only a couple of years old, um, it just seems right. You know, I just don't want the dog roaming around the house doing whatever she pleases. She, she shouldn't, should not get to sit in my seat and watch TV while I'm gone, right? So we're going to lock her up. We put her bed in there and, uh, and her food and water and all that, but we want to lock her in that laundry room. And, and sometimes we're gone for a while, fair or not. And, and please don't send me emails saying you're mistreating your dog. That dog's got a better life because of me. That dog's got a better life than me, okay? So if I'm the first one to come home sometimes, and, and it's been a long day and we haven't been there, and, and I come in through the garage door, and right there is, is the laundry room, and I look over her little gate, and sometimes, not all the time, but every once in a while, Cece leaves a little treat for us that wasn't there, at least not visible, and you walk in and, and, and you see the floor and, and Cece, for some reason, um, she has definitely um, partaken of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil because she knows right from wrong and she tries to cover it up. So she takes her blanket out of her bed and, you know, and, and I'm like, what is going on here? And immediately when I walk in, I look at it and, and here's the thought that comes to my head. Whoever put her up didn't take her outside, or if they did, they didn't leave her out there long enough to do her business. You know, they didn't leave her out there long enough, and now I've got to clean up this mess because Mandy was impatient. <laughs> That's where my mind goes. I'm just being honest with you today. It's the blame game, and I, I am just like, man, I am so mad right now. I am so heated, and, and uh, if, if it's not Mandy, then it, it, maybe it's Caleb that's catching the... It's, it's why Kendall left for college. I mean, it's just, it is. <laughs> Let's be honest, Mandy didn't like pay that little dog or bribe her a little extra to make my life harder. She didn't look at her and say, now if you poop on the floor, I'm going to give you an extra treat. Make daddy's life harder. She didn't do that. But yet I want to blame that, right? I want to cast judgment. I want to, to put the blame. I want her to wear that, that, that blame blanket over her life so that she feels the, the heat of that, the heaviness of that. Blame is what the enemy uses to divide the human race. He uses it to divide us politically. He uses it to, to divide us racially, socially. Uh, he uses it to divide marriages. He uses it uh, to divide friendships. He, he uses blame to divide coworkers. He uses it to divide religion and, and, and even Christianity is, is divided in itself. It's estimated that there are over 33,000, 33,000 different denominations or groups of Christianity. 
And we wonder why the world looks at us like a joke. We can't even get along among ourselves because most of the time, uh, another church or another denomination or another group, they got mad, put blame on someone, and they went and started their own thing. I told you it was going to be heavy today. You stuck around, so bear with it. Imagine, church, what life would be like if we just stopped blaming others. If we just stopped, if, if like today, 550 people at Destiny Community Church within two services said, I'm not going to blame the rest of this week. By the way, that's your homework, okay? For the rest of this week, no blame. And if someone in your house blames someone else, I want you to look at them and say, Pastor Rocky said, no blame. It's just for this week. Just going to try it, okay? You're all going to be separated next week, I can tell. <laughs> all right. Imagine what life would be like if we just didn't play the blame game. If we just didn't go there. Imagine what Congress could accomplish if they stopped blaming and actually started working together and solving. God laughed out loud at that one. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned? Who's to blame for this man's blindness? He's been blind from birth. So we need you to answer this for us. Who sinned, him or his parents? Who's responsible for his blindness? Who is responsible that this man is not whole? And in a society that projected sin on any and every mishap, even the disciples of Jesus were wondering, who's at fault? Who's to blame? Who caused this in this man's life? You see, in that society, if you were struggling financially, you must have sin in your life. If you were sick, you had sin in your life. They believed that if your child was sick, then someone in that home had sinned. They, they had dishonored God some way. They honestly believed that bad things only happen to people who displease God. And if you were going through your life right now wondering, thinking to yourself, that anytime something bad happens in your life, that it's God judging you, you are living a miserable life and you do not understand the grace of the kingdom of God. I can't explain why children are sick. I can't explain why people die. I, I certainly can't explain why good people die. I can't explain life. But I know that I serve a God that understands all of that. And in my mind, I am not supposed to be dealing with good and evil, but because of our sin, now I'm trying to process all of that, and I can't, and I've just got to put it in the hands of a faithful judge who is going to figure all of that stuff out in the end. But no, we, we want to blame. So the gauge between a sinful and a sinless life was whether or not things were going well for you. That was their society. That's what they thought. If your life is bad, you better make things right with God. Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents? And church, it's interesting to me that they're having this conversation right there in front of the man. He hasn't said a word. And they're talking about him like he's not even there. 
And it's the ones that are following Jesus the closest that are asking the question. I don't mean to rehash what I preached a couple of weeks ago, but, but sometimes it's, it's the church that's causing the problems. The ones that are close enough to Jesus and, and are the closest to Jesus, and, and, and yet they're the ones asking the questions about who's to blame for this. Like the man's not even there. Let, let, me, let me point something out to you. The man is blind. He's not deaf. He can't see. He can hear everything that is being said. Have you ever been in a room with someone and they're talking about you like you're not even there? You ever been sitting there and you're thinking to yourself, do you, do you not know that I'm sitting right here listening to everything and you hear what they're saying because they're saying things like, well, if he just wasn't so lazy. Hello, I'm right here. Well, if she wasn't so picky. If he wasn't so driven. If she would just be more selective. From one end of the spectrum to the other, we've got blame for every scenario of life. And this man was blind, but he wasn't deaf, and he could hear them trying to assign blame. In the middle of his sorrow, they're trying to blame someone. Maybe his parents were sinful. Maybe his parents were saints. We don't know the answer to that, but they didn't know his parents. If I'm that man, I want to stand up in that moment and say, would you guys just shut up? You don't know my mom. You don't know my dad. Maybe the man wanted to stand up and say, you didn't see the nights. I've been born since I was uh, blind since I was born. You don't know the times that my mom and dad had to carry me. You don't know what it was like having to raise a son that was blind from birth. You don't understand what they've been through. But Jesus, Jesus didn't allow him to answer. No, Jesus was bold enough to answer his disciples. And, and, and so in verse 3, Jesus answered and he said, It was not this man, it, it was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. This is what you don't want to hear today. What if whatever you're going through is simply for the reason that the works of God might be displayed through you? What if it's nobody's fault? And what God has you going through right now is simply so that he can be glorified. Not fair, but maybe that's it. Sometimes you're just meant to go through the storm. I, I love how Jesus said it in Matthew 5 and 45. He says, it rains on the just and the unjust. That means life sometimes just gets crappy for all of us. We live on a cursed planet. And there's just moments when life is not going to go according to plan. It rains on the just and the unjust alike. Sometimes you're just meant to go through the storm. Why? Because through that storm, God wants to show his glory. And I don't care who you are. You listen to me. Everybody in this room, I want you to look at me. I don't care who you are. Your life is meant to glorify God one way or another. And it's either going to glorify him now or one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. You will glorify God one way or another. And I know what we want. We all want to glorify God with riches and fame and fortune. That's what we want. And some people get that. 
Some people draw that card. That's what they get. I don't understand it. It's not for me to understand. I can't comprehend the, 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 the difference between right and wrong and good and evil. God does. I don't get it. But some people, they go through life, and that's how God is glorified with their lives. And then there's some of the rest of us, which is probably more of us than what we, we care to admit. God chooses to put us through some trials in life, allows us to go through some things, and it's in the middle of that trial that God is glorified. And he looked at these disciples and he said, his parents didn't sin, he didn't sin. This man is blind from birth just so that my glory can be revealed. Just so that I can be glorified through his life. It's not always someone else's fault. Let, let, me, let me put it like this. Why do you want to give someone that power over your life? You know, when you blame them, you're assigning a lot of power into their hands over your life. Why do you want to give someone that much power? Hosea 4 and 4, the prophet says, no one should accuse or blame another person. That is more for our protection than anybody else. It's not for the accused. It's not for the, the ones that are blamed. This is to protect me. No one should accuse or blame another person. Because if you give them that power, then that means that they also hold the power to fix you. If I look at you, Micah, and I say, my life stinks because of you, Micah, that means that I'm relying on him to fix my life. And I'm not willing to give him that kind of power. I'm especially not willing to give you that kind of power. <laughs> if the blind man was blind because of his parents and their sin, then Jesus has to leave that scene. He's got to go and he's got to talk with this man's parents. And he's got to give them the opportunity to make this right with God. If we assign blame here, then it takes the healing out of the hands of Jesus Christ. Because what if his, his parents decide not to? I, I just don't want to fool with it. I don't want to deal with it. What if they're too busy to get involved? And, and later in this story, as you keep reading this chapter, you'll see that the Pharisees are trying to disprove that this man was healed. They're trying to say it's someone completely different. Is, is this the same man that was blind? We don't think it's the same man that was blind. They find his parents. They call his parents in. And, and when they ask his parents, you, you tell us about this. Is, is this really your son? And, and their response was, ask him. He's of age. They were scared of the Jewish leaders. I don't want my future on whether or not I have vision or not to be in the hands of someone that's not willing to answer a question about Jesus Christ. Let me tell you something. You don't have the power to control my life. If I fail, it's not because of you or anyone else. If I succeed, it's not because you promoted me. Oh, it's hard for a pastor to get up and say, right? You're all sitting here right now going, yeah, but if we didn't show up, who are you going to preach to? You don't control my promotion. Psalm 37 and 23 says, The Lord directs the steps of the godly. He delights in every detail of their lives. I either believe that or I don't. And if I do believe that, that means you have no power over my life. Therefore, why would I blame you? Why would I give you that power to dictate my future? 
And that's what blame does. And the enemy knew this in the garden. If I can just get blame inside the human race, it will render them powerless. They will never be able to accomplish the things for the kingdom of God that he wants them to. But man, I'm telling you, you don't control my destiny. God directs my steps. Don't let anyone control your destiny. You put it in the hands of an almighty God that can figure all this stuff out. Stop blaming others and giving them the power over your life. No one sinned. No one was to blame. This man was just born blind, but God loved him enough to fix him. Your career may be at a dead end, but God loves you enough to change your direction. Your your finances might be in shambles, but God loves you enough that he will provide for you. Your health may be in decline, but God loves you enough to heal you. Your marriage might be broken, and God loves you enough to fix it. Your character may be under attack. God loves you enough to fight for you. You don't have to give anybody the power over that. Only God can fix that. While everyone else might be assigning blame, let God administer your blessing. That's what he's good at. For many years, for many years I blamed my bitterness on one person. A mentor of mine, a minister, I'm not going into the details today, but for years, even after I was in ministry, I carried bitterness in me and I justified it because he wronged me and my family. Man, you can justify just about anything and everything under the sun if you'll think long and hard about it. We may not be able to process good and evil, but man, we are creative. He said, be fruitful and multiply. And we know how to multiply thoughts in our head. We are creative people. We can justify anything and everything. And I did. For 15 years, I justified my bitterness. And for 15 years, this person was my enemy. I've jokingly said before, but it really isn't a joke. If the earth would have opened up and swallowed him whole, I would have celebrated I know you don't like hearing your pastor talk like that. I know, but that's where I was at. And I was pastoring this church and feeling that way. It started way before I I became the pastor of this church. But man, I'm telling you, it definitely, definitely happened here. God would eventually convict my heart. And he told me, this is what the spirit of God spoke to me about my life. He said that the only person that I was hurting through all this was me. And then he really hit home. And God told me, he said, I will not grow that church anymore until you get this right. I had been assigning blame and letting someone else have power over my life when the only one that could fix me was God Almighty. I was putting the power in the hands of humanity And they didn't even know how much I was hurt. And so I eventually had lunch with this person. We had a good talk, hashed a few things out. We're not the best of friends. We'll never be the best of friends. But I don't hate him anymore. Matter of fact, I love him. 
Some of you wouldn't be here today if I would have kept assigning blame to him because God would have never brought you here to this church to sit under this ministry had I allowed that to have power and control over my life. You know, some people look at this story and they think, man, the most blinded person in the room was the guy that was blind from birth. No, the most blinded person in the room were the ones who were trying to assign blame. You know the end of the story. We read it. The man was healed. And the disciples learned a, a very unique lesson that went against culture. Culture said, if something's wrong, someone's to blame. Culture keeps telling us that right now. If something's not right, let's blame someone. No, if something's not right, let's put it in the hands of God. That's the only thing we can do to fix this. And whatever it is in your life that, that you keep assigning blame to someone else that can't fix it, I want you to know today, God wants that. God wants you to lay that at the foot of the cross and find healing. You've been playing this blame game. This month, God's going to bring you through it. He's going he's to let you lay that blame down. And you're not going to carry it anymore in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to the podcast of DCC. For service times and directions, log on to www.destinycommunitychurch.org. Thanks again for listening.